How many words would you use to describe this Tuesday? And how many of them begin with a T? Tantalizing thoughts transport themselves thriftily, thrusting the tapestry toward Times Trust. That's one way to describe most editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement, an effort to inform in as timely a manner as possible. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. In today's program, Charlottesville wants offers from groups that want the Lewis Clark and Sacagawea statue, a brief update on recycling efforts from the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority. Friends of Esmont secure an important resource for the revitalization of the Southern Albemarle Village. And the Charlottesville Albemarle MPO advances the next round of transportation projects. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, if you're curious and want to dig deeper, there's another podcast you might want to try, especially if you ask why and not just what, and if you believe that politics should be about making communities better. If so, check out Bold Dominion, a bi-weekly podcast from WTJU 91.1 FM. Bold Dominion is a state politics explainer for a changing Virginia. Their latest episode asks, where does Virginia's trash come from, and who does it get dumped on? Check it out at bolddominion.org. Charlottesville has opened the process for organizations and other interested parties who were willing to purchase the relocated statue of Lewis Clark and Sacagawea that stood for over a hundred years on West Main Street. The bronze sculpture by Charles Keck carries the official name Their First View of the Pacific and is currently located at the Lewis and Clark Exploratory Center in Dardentau Park. Here's city manager Chip Boyles. Offers are due August 27th with a plan to have recommendations to council to begin considering which of the offers you may be interested in uh, during the month of September. There is a four-page solicitation of offers for the statue that requires applicants to demonstrate how they will recontextualize. The recontextualization plan must include an accurate historical narrative of the positive role Sacagawea provided in the exploration efforts of the Lewis and Clark expedition, and include the concerns that the statue may be interpreted to depict a lesser, more subservient role provided by Sacagawea. The executive director of the Lewis and Clark Exploratory Center said she would be responding. The Daily Progress caught up with her recently, and I spoke with her two days after the statue was brought to the center on July 10th. Boyles made his comments at last night's city council meeting. He also encouraged people to spread the word that the city is looking for bus drivers. Uh, starting pay begins now at sixteen ninety-seven an hour and up according to qualifications and includes a city full-time employee health care benefits. And most importantly, um, with your approval at the last meeting, provides a $2,400 sign-on bonus for both transit drivers and school bus drivers. I'll have more from the city council meeting in an upcoming version of the newsletter. A nonprofit group that seeks to revisit and restore the history of a small village in southern Albemarle County has purchased a commercial building for a future grocery store, museum, and visitor center. Friends of Esmont bought the Purvis Country Store property and have plans to convert it into the Purvis Store Market. 
an adjacent shed will become a shelter to serve as a trailhead for a future Esmont Trail. Friends of Esmont was founded in 2018 to revitalize Esmont through several projects, including the trail, restoration of historic structures, and memorializing the Esmont Depot. According to a history provided by Friends of Esmont, the store dates back to 1900 and was owned by the Purvis family from 1937 to 1989. The structure is a contributing resource in the Southern Albemarle Rural Historic District. Work is set to begin today on replacement of a water line on Keith Valley Road in the Greenbrier neighborhood. The project will replace a 2-inch pipe that is over 40 years old. The work will be conducted by Linco, will take about 10 weeks, and may result in road closures at times. According to City Communications Director Brian Wheeler, the work will move the line from private property to public right-of-way at a cost of $74,430. You're reading and listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and time now for another subscriber-supported public service announcement. The Charlottesville Jazz Society at seavillejazz.org is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and continuation of jazz, and there's no time like now to find a time to get out and watch people as they love to play. The Charlottesville Jazz Society keeps a running list of what's coming up at seavillejazz.org. This week, find out that the Charles Owen Trio plays at Potter's Craft Cider on Thursday, Angelica X and Friends play at the Front Porch on Friday, and so much more. Take a look at the whole list at seavillejazz.org. Reviewing more meetings from late July, both Rivanna authorities met on July 27th for regular meetings. We learned that the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority is receiving more materials at the Ivy Materials Utilization Center than in previous years. In June, there were 154.96 tons of construction and domestic waste received at the facility, compared to 101.17 tons in June of 2020 and 94.12 tons in June of 2019. Executive Director Bill Moyer said county investment in the MUC and longer hours of operation have made the operations more efficient. The net operating cost in the transfer station has declined in, in 2018 from about $33 per ton to currently almost uh, just under $9 a ton. The RSWA is seeking permission from the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality to increase the amount of waste it can process in a day from 300 tons to 450 tons a day. And that would deal with a few of the spike days when we have extra heavy load. The RSWA board also got an update on the state of recycling from Solid Waste Director Phil McCaleps. There haven't been a lot of changes with uh, our material uh, pricing has been pretty stable, surprisingly. Cardboard went up during COVID, um, probably related to a lot of shipping. Many of the recyclable materials collected either at the McIntyre Road drop-off point or the Ivy Convenience Center are sent to a paper sort facility on Mead Avenue. The cardboard mixed paper, and at least currently newsprint, is all going to a Sunoco mill south of Richmond. Our plastic films are going to Trex 
plastic containers go to Sunoco, office paper is going to Sunoco. Um, glass is being picked up by strategic materials down in Wilson, North Carolina, Carolina and our metals go to Gerdau. McCaleb's said revenues from glass recycling have dropped from $25 a ton to zero, a situation he continues to monitor. We continuously get a request to look into doing additional types of recycling, recycling new materials. Uh, one that's come in recently was styrofoam, and I'm kind of exploring that. We try and generate, sort of flesh out whether that seems feasible at a reasonable cost point. And if we find something that seems plausible, we'll bring that before the board. The Rivanna Solid Waste Authority is currently working to build a third place to bring recycling to at what will be called the Keene Convenience Center. Another regional body that met last week was the Charlottesville Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization's Policy Board, which consists of two city councilors, two Albemarle supervisors, and the administrator of the Virginia Department of Transportation's Culpeper District. One of the items on their agenda was an update of their public participation plan, a document required by federal law. Lucinda Shannon is a planner with the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. We changed the name to the Charlottesville Albemarle MPO Engagement Plan. Um, I think with the last plan from the public comments that we received, there was some confusion about what this plan was for. And um, the the engagement plan outlines the process and activities that the MPO uses to create opportunities for effective participation, communication, and consultation with all parties interested in the development, adoption, and amendment of its transportation plans and projects. No one spoke at the public hearing, and the plan was adopted. The main event at the MPO meeting on July 28th was approval of several projects that the MPO will now continue to take through the next round of the Virginia Department of Transportation's smart scale process. Applications are not due until next year, but concern over a project in the last cycle led to a reform of the public engagement process. As an overview, those projects that are going to advance are a roundabout at District Avenue, the extension of Hillsdale Avenue South, a pedestrian and bike crossing of the Rivanna River at Pantops, the Avon Street Corridor, and the 5th Street Corridor. Those are the general areas, and those projects will continue to move forward, and there's plenty of time for more input on those. The MPO can submit four applications, as can the City of Charlottesville, Albemarle County, and the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission itself. To review this presentation and learn more about those projects, click a link in the newsletter, and you'll go right to that point in the YouTube video. A member of the Citizen Transportation Advisory Committee has been lobbying for a flyover road to be constructed to relieve traffic congestion in the area around Hydraulic Road, US-29, and the US-250 bypass. The idea will not proceed at this time, in this cycle, out of concerns the smart scale process would not fund such a project. Chuck Proctor, an engineer in VDOT's Culpeper District, said people interested in the overall transportation system will have the chance in the near future to influence it as the MPO begins review of the long-range transportation plan next spring. The long-range planning process is what we're going to basically be kicking off in the spring at the MPO. And in that process, we're going to be identifying, looking at the um, the needs in the air region and identifying 
solutions to those needs. And that's going to be the place where we need to look at this as possibly an option to address a, a regional concern of traffic flowing through the area. The current long-range transportation plan was adopted in May of 2019. At the end of the MPO meeting, the public got an update on the Afton Express, a commuter bus route that will begin service between Stanton and Charlottesville in September. Sarah Pennington is the program manager for Rideshare, a service of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. The service is going to be administered by the Central Shenandoah Planning District Commission, so our counterparts across the mountain, and they have... um, are on a demonstration grant through DRPT to offer this service uh, starting September 1. On the eastern side of the Blue Ridge, the service will stop twice at the University of Virginia, once at the Amtrak station and the downtown transit station, and twice at 5th Street station. Fares are $3 each way, though the first month will be free. Visit brightbus.org for the schedule. Bright is spelled B-R-I-T-E. So this program is really designed for the commuter. Um, They specifically scheduled most of this to revolve around working hours. Albemarle County recently received funding through SmartScale for a park-and-ride lot at Exit 107 on Interstate 64. The idea is for the Afton Express to stop there once it's been built. What about you? If you live in the Shenandoah Valley and work in Charlottesville, would you consider riding it? What about transit in general, no matter where you are? I'm interested in what people think about when they think about transit and how they think about how they get to where they need to go. That's something I really want to cover a lot more in the near future. And I'll have much more efforts in Albemarle County about their efforts to expand service in a future edition of the newsletter. But that's it for this edition of the newsletter. Thank you so much for listening, as always. This one, I think, was a hodgepodge of lots of little things, which is sometimes um, really kind of what I want to get out of this for you guys. Um, There's a lot going on, and I think I really want to make sure that people know in little tiny uh, chunks. Um, I am hopeful that I can continue to get this out daily. I'm experimenting this week and trying to get five newsletters out each day. Um, I think that is, there's enough material out there. And of course, there's enough of an audience out there. As you all know, uh, Ting is matching anybody who subscribes through Substack. So for $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year, Ting will match that contribution. Uh, Thank you to Ting for doing that. Uh, Really, really appreciative. Um, There's lots of other ways, but of course, the number one thing you can do is to send it on to somebody else or to drop me a line or a comment. Um, There's all kinds of things I'd love to talk to you guys about. But in the meantime, now I have to get on for the next edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, which will hopefully be coming out on Wednesday, August 4th. In the meantime, stay safe out here on this August 3rd, which hopefully I can get it produced quite soon. Stay safe out there. Talk to you in the near future.